The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for an all-new episode of Shag and Flies. That's right. We're back. Took a little bit of a hiatus. We've had a little bit of time off, but we have a brand new episode and we plan on continuing to make more brand new episodes. Our guest this week is the wonderful David Mendelssohn. Uh, you can find his work on Triple Play Fantasy, He's co founder of Triple Play Fantasy. He writes for Fantasy Pros, Fan Tracks, all over the place. He's on Twitter at DMendio2. David is great, a uh, fellow Marylander, so we talked a little bit about that. Um, but anyways, look, enough of the intro. Enjoy our chat with David Mendelson. I get into this thing periodically. There will be a few times a year where I'm just like, you know what? I kind of feel like watching a horror movie. Just like, I don't know, I just have this desire to watch, and I've had that the past couple of days, where I've been just going through some horror movies that I've been meaning to get to. I love horror. Dude, um, this is right up your alley, then, man. Yeah. Like, you got to get on it. Well, so I love I love horror. I was thinking about this the other day, about horror movies. Like, I think you can, you can kind of manufacture a lot of emotions in an audience uh, with a movie, with a story. You can make people feel sad, that you can make people feel empathy. You know, stuff like that. But to make people feel fear, I think, is something different. Because, you know, what is what is the fear response in the human body? It's um, it's feeling you, you're unsafe. I'm unsafe. My, you know, my instinct is I am afraid. So how do you do that for a group of people who are sitting in a movie theater, sitting at home, very clearly watching something on a screen, like watching something with famous actors? Like, you know, they see... You know, Brad Pitt, they know that that's Brad Pitt. Like, it's very obvious that it's Brad Pitt um, or whoever it is. So how do you make them feel fear? And I think it's cheap and easy to do jump scares uh, because, you know, that'll that'll scare anybody. You just have something loud, jump out, and whatever. Jump scares can be earned, but, like, I love Not the me. art. I don't get scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the art of jump making people feel fear in a horror movie um just there's a lot of different interesting ways to do it so it's it's fun i just get disappointed when i watch a horror movie and it's all like cheap jump scares i'm like come on work harder than that 
you can I'm do a, better. I'm a pansy man. Like I don't like scary movies. Like I, I can <laughs> I can watch them, but like I don't like enjoy it. And yeah, I will say like I think the scariest stuff I see is anything like Exorcist type of thing where you see people's Dude, Exorcist like, is so good. Like if you see like people's heads turning, yeah. or you see like uh, body parts like breaking and like yeah. Uh, or, you know, like I know there's some movies, at least one where like people are like crawling like spiders or, you know, like, sure. all, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, uh, like that stuff yeah. freaks me out, like more than I, anything I else. So if you have that in there, like I guarantee I you I will do. not be watching it. <laughs> no, I, I get can't. it, dude, either. I think the, the only horror movie I ever saw in theaters was um, The Conjuring, which love The Conjuring. Talk about a great, it was a good movie. There wasn't like. Yeah, I mean, they turned it into this one of those whole like horror spinoff monster franchises or whatever. But like, it was, well, um, so so I remember far, being James I remember Bond being like surprisingly I remember being pleasantly surprised though because I thought it was going to be like I, I mean I can't do gore. My thing is like I love yeah. suspense, mm-hmm. I love Hitchcock, I, I love that kind of 100%. stuff. But like, I am so squeamish to the mm-hmm. death of me. I just cannot. I can't do it. I just can't. So right, and I think it was pretty. It too. took the line pretty nicely between still being like visually scary, but without just being like straight like Gorno bullshit. You know, right? Um, well, I mean, so that's The Conjuring is a perfect example. The director of that is James Wan, who I've been going through his filmography a bit because he is, in my opinion, one of the best horror directors working right now because is he, he the reason we have scares. saw though he's the reason no, that yeah, saw he wrote is. he wrote saw like, he wrote the first saw yeah i'm sorry i, I everything it's just yeah i know <laughs> but he made he did i'm sure everything he does is really really good but for birthing the birthing that franchise you just are <laughs> man well yeah so one of the so. things that he does that is he he does it he does do some jump scares but i mean the conjuring is a great example of just cr- creating a creepy atmosphere so that just the whole movie you just feel uneasy he did that with all three conjurings. He did that with Insidious, uh, is another great one. Oh, that was him too. Okay, that, that was, was him I, as I just, well. Yeah, I saw him too. Uh, he did um, Malignant most recently, which was kind of wild but fun. He also did like Aquaman and Fast Seven. So he doesn't only do horror. But what was the um, a- the horror movie? I'm trying to look it up, and I cannot think of. Uh, I think it's The Evil Dead. Evil Dead, Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. Sam Raimi. That, that was, I watched that one time. Uh, I was taking, a, I brought a girl over for a date and she was big into horror movies and she said, that's one of my favorites. And after that, I was like, I, this is, I was like, I can't do this. I was yeah, like, that one, that one's a bit gory, but that one's like so. But it's funny. It's funny. Like it's so, it's all, it's so over the top. Well, there's, and is there a yeah. remake and then the original? Because we watched, I think, the I original. I think they did a remake. But the I think there's been like, and then like a series or something. Like yeah, there's been like three or four of them. There's What's really no, interesting. IP has been beaten to the ground so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's super interesting is if you watch like the Evil Dead and um, other Sam Raimi stuff, and then you watch the most recent Doctor Strange. They kind of let Sam Raimi do like Sam Raimi things in that movie, in the most recent Doctor Strange movie. There's a lot of like Evil Dead type things like that are different for a Marvel movie. I just, I actually just realized uh, I just learned today. Both Dr. Strange movies were written, directed by horror uh, directors and writers. Really? That's kind of Yeah. The first one was um, this guy, Scott Derrickson, who his most famous movie is probably sinister, which is 
maybe the scariest oh, movie I've ever seen. That, <laughs> if you're I, saying that, there's no way for that one. Watch I remember the trailer for that one. That was, wasn't that with like what's his name, Ethan? Ethan um, Hawke. Ethan yeah. Hawk. I yeah, remember being about, very um, trailer. Yeah, it's about Ethan Hawke is a true crime uh, writer who moves into the house where a family was just mysteriously murdered and finds the uh, for his next novel and finds Super 8 film of a bunch of killings by a serial killer. When you type in, in his uh, attic, when you type in Sinister on YouTube, it's Sinister the lawnmower scene. No, 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 no. It comes up. <laughs> that is so. <laughs> That is, a, it's, it's a, I have my problem. That doesn't with sound movie. like it's something I want to see. No, it's, here. that's, that is maybe one of the most intense scenes of film I've ever seen. Um, intense. But I don't I, like that I, word in this. I have, <laughs> I have my problems with the movie because I think there, it relies a little too much on traditional horror tropes. It starts getting into like supernatural stuff, which is fine. But I'm like, that could be just a really good serial killer movie, a murder mystery a uh, true crime novelist moves into a house and finds the super eight films of old murders from a serial killer and tries to solve these unsolved cases. I think that's a fascinating like Zodiac kind of movie, but then they took it in a horror direction. and It was fine. Ethan Hawke's great in it, but anyways, all this talk about horror movies. I'm glad to hear stranger things is good. I'm excited <laughs> to check it out. Um, but anyways, David, Thank you for being here on Shag and Flies. We have taken, we took a little bit of a hiatus, uh, sort of, uh, accidentally. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we've done an episode in like a month and it's a half. It's been a while. But it's been a while, but I'm glad that, you know, we are able to do it again and have, have you on here. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having Appreciate me. It. Yeah, yeah man. I was listening to a couple episodes today, and uh, I love what you guys are doing with it. So uh, honored to be on the show you. with you guys. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I Ooh, always precious. enjoy. <laughs> I always enjoy having a fellow Marylander <laughs> on on the pod. Um, so I want to. I want to. We'll go ahead and get the Marylander out of the way. <laughs> not my show, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? We've had other Chicago people. <laughs> On the pod, yes, we do. We have we have a good also house. during our during our our break, sort of. I I actually visited Chicago and visited Zach. It was very fun. Oh wow! Got to see a White Sox Ooh, game and everything. That, it, was right? really cool. <laughs> it was very cool. Um, but anyways, uh, so I would like to know in Maryland. I love the. I love asking people their favorite places to get food in Maryland because there are a lot of, especially in Baltimore. Not just crabs, though I do want to know where's your go-to crab place. But I think there's just a lot of great food in Baltimore that isn't seafood that doesn't get the credit it deserves. So two-parter food Baltimore question. Uh, where's your – and it doesn't have to be in Baltimore, but where's your go-to crab place, favorite seafood in the area, and other non-seafood? I would say probably my favorite uh, spot to get crabs is Nick's Fish House. Uh, Ooh, which is like next where's that it's on the water uh it's it's in fed and uh mm. just the scenery there is really nice it's kind of like a hidden gem uh i, I mean i think like it's somewhat people know about it but uh oh yeah I'm just sure. the scenery and then just the food there is really good they sometimes have like live bands playing uh that's definitely like my scene especially in the summer so i would say that's definitely the crabs as far as like just mm. other food places i like 
um wiley gunther's is like a, a bar around here that's really good has a lot of good food uh, i'm a big pizza guy so i'm always mm. like trying to scout for pizza places that i really like and uh i mean there's like a few around here there's not like any that i'm like holy like moly like they're incredible like bar flies if you've ever been there been i don't know if you i've have heard Flies. yeah never been i've heard of it the, it's that bar pizza is so good it's like thick like the two yeah. c's and that's the type of pizza i like when it when it has a little bit of substance to it um there's some that are nice like that are on light street towards the uh the harbor that are good mm. uh, but i'm looking forward to uh to trying like a bunch of other ones obviously as time goes along but uh there is definitely a lot of good eateries in, in baltimore oh yeah Maryland in general Oh yeah, especially in I the Hamden area. I used to work mm-hmm. up in North yes. uh, for mm-hmm. non Baltimoreans. Uh, the <laughs> Hamden area is North um, Baltimore. <laughs> the uh, Hamden area is up north, North Baltimore. I used to work on TV Hill up there, which is where all the local TV affiliates are. And um, there is a street up in Hamden called the Avenue. I don't remember what its actual street name is, like Thirty Fourth Street or something. Um, and it is, it's got some great food. It's got some great food. They've got, um, best Italian. I've never been there. There's the best Italian I've ever had is at Grano's. Uh, it was the, the way I learned about Grano's was a friend of mine said, Oh, I brought some friends of mine who are from Italy to this place. And they said, wow, that's really good pasta. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, well then that must be actually good pasta. And you know so. what? Guy Fieri was there on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives and spray spray painted his face on the wall. So it's also got the Guy Fieri stamp. As one does. Have you had the Charmery? Love the Charmery. Great mm-hmm. ice cream. This is the second time the Charmery's been shouted out on this podcast. For good uh, yeah, man. It's great. Now, uh, I thought some, some Marylander mentioned it because it's where they had the Old Bay ice cream, remember? I think I told oh, you about that. I wish I didn't, but yeah. <laughs> It's like Old Bay Caramel. Again, taking a good thing and just taking it about 1,600 steps to... I haven't even told you. I tagged you in the picture of... I tagged you in the Old Bay Vodka, right? You did. I was going to say, and that's still a tier below the Old Bay Vodka as far as just, you know... You got to start tagging me in like more positive like (laughs) manifestations of Verlinders going way too far with like the three cuisine things you have going on. Um, I am, re- you know, I'm I'm really softening on the crab dip fries. I must say, like ever as since it was, you were against it, reframed to me as more of like a fondant, you know, than uh, straight up crab dip. I can I can I can wrap my head around it a little more. That's a it's a must. I, I told him it's a must crabs. grab. It's a must grab at Orioles games. The crab dip waffle fries. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you take crab dip, you take fries, and you put them together. Oh, like so what? it's. It's a win-win. He's come around, and and I should let it be known for the record that my visit to Chicago has has led me to sort of, kind of come around a little bit on the Chicago hot dog. Um, I have been very vocally against the Chicago hot dog because it sounds ridiculous and absurd, and I maintain that it is ridiculous and absurd, and also kind of tasty. <laughs> it's. And this refocusing, this allows us to refocus your depression food slander onto the Chicago specialty that actually deserves it, which is the Italian beef. What about the deep dish pizza, too? Love. So I I got a good deep dish. That was good. 
deep dish yourself. Do you have any, you're, you're a pizza guy. Do you have any like regional favorites? Like, are you biased towards any, any coast, any particular style? No, so I've had Detroit style pizza. I can say I was not a huge fan of it. Cause I, I, I didn't know what that is actually. What is Detroit so it's, style pizza? The cheese is under the sauce. Oh, that's weird. But to me, it was like, to, it was like a breadstick. I was like, yeah. and I was like, this isn't pizza. It's like, like cheesy kinda, bread. Yeah. It was like cheesy bread with sauce. on. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is fine, but this isn't pizza. Um, yeah. the Detroiters don't come for me, but like <laughs> that, that was, uh, that was my impression of it. Um, Interesting. That's not the deep dish was <laughs> deep dish was really good. I, I went to Chicago two summers ago oh. and, um, I think it was, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's like something East, uh, um, Gino's. Yeah. Gino's East. Yes. That was my favorite. We went to like three different spots. It's a classic. Um, it's a classic. Um, but like I, I loved, I mean, the fact that it took like 45 minutes to make made me even like hungrier and ready yeah. for it. It was like very filling. Like uh, I, I don't know if I'd want that all the time, but I loved it when I was there. Yeah. Um, of course, the classic, just like New York style where it's thin and you just fold it. I think that's like the easiest to eat. And it's just like super simple. Uh, that's, I think, always going to be my favorite, but uh, as long as it's not Detroit style, that's like I'll, I'll eat anything. Okay, favorite mass market pizza, like like big, yeah. like like Domino's, oh. Papa John's, uh, Little Caesars, Pizza Bullies. Pizza Bullies is a Maryland thing. Yeah, uh, but I love Pizza Bullies. Lido's also a Maryland thing. Yes, the best pizza. Um, but if you had to pick like one of the big ones that's everywhere instead of a local place, that's a good question because like. Domino's and Papa John's are like I'll eat it if it's there. I never crave yeah. it. Um, Lito's is okay. I've grown oh, to like it a little bit more. Yes, um, Lito's is the best. I love. Have you Lito's had Mama so Lucia's? Much. I don't think I have Mama Lucia's. No. There's a few of those where I really like that. Do you remember Jerry's? Oh my God! Yes, I do remember Jerry's. I remember Jerry's, Jerry's. was one of my favorite. Jerry's subs and pizza. Uh, I used to not like them because when I was a kid. I was very picky, um, and I did not like the fact that the sauce on the Jerry's pizza was chunky. Oh, really? It was like a yeah, it was like a chunky tomato sauce, which huh. I did not appreciate at all. I would probably <laughs> like it now, but you know, when I was like seven, I was like, yeah, this is gross. I don't but ever yeah, see I, them anymore. I, I feel like they're out of business or something. They're like dead and gone now. But um, so yeah, all right. Well, then Domino's or Papa John's, gun to your head. Dominoes, if I had to pick yeah. between the two, the gar- I like the, the garlic that they use now. Yep, yep. They they underwent. I love that they under they did this whole like campaign where they're like, "We're sorry, our pizza was bad," and um, yep, we we shouldn't have done that, and we've changed it now. So you guys were right. Our pizza sucked. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Ben. If if you're a big connoisseur of pizza too, it sounds like you are. Have you been to Champs in Glen Burnie? I have not. They I have. have not. The biggest pizza on the East Coast that you can try to take down for a thousand dollars. How big is it? It's thirty pounds. Holy cow! And you thirty a pizza. Oh yeah, you and a partner, you get an hour to eat it, and they film it like on their Facebook page. And oh uh, my god, no and shot! If, <laughs> and if you could take it down, you get a thousand dollars. Oh my god! No, I could. I don't think I could do that. I remember watching a man versus food episode where they took down a massive pizza. I don't remember how much it was something like that, like around 30 pounds. It was like this monstrous pizza and it was the man versus food guy and a partner and the partner ended up going outside and throwing up. 
midway through and i'm like yeah that's probably where i would be at it's great, just so much great brand. vibe for a food show yeah <laughs> they even like where'd he go and he threw up and that disqualified him it was like all the food's gotta stay in your stomach yeah. It, it, I did it yeah. once. Actually, no, I've done it twice. Damn. And I can tell you that, like, pizza like that, you go into it, like, very confident. You're like, I can eat half a pizza. Yeah. And then when you see it in front of you, no. like, I don't, I can't do this. Especially because those pizzas are usually really, like, especially champs. Like, their pizzas are, like, this thick. Like, it's Jeez. it's so much bread. And you have to get uh, five toppings on it, too. So, like. That's five toppings? Oh, dude, it's, it's each slice is, like, a medium pizza by itself. <sighs> So I always say to people that like when I talk to them about it, I'm like, if you can eat four medium pizzas, then you can do your half. That means your partner has to be able to do theirs too. But it's has anyone done it? Uh, So up until a month ago, only one set of people had done it in like a hundred tries, and they were competitive eaters. And uh, this is disgusting. But one of them threw up into their cup after, and they said, if you drink it then you'll win. If you don't oh drink it, you god. lose. And he drank it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh so, my uh, god. So they did it. And then I forgot it was oh. like this couple like a month ago. Their their YouTube page is like half a, a million subscribers. They went and they took it down. And it like it's like a, a wow. girl and her husband. And the girl's like this small thing. And <laughs> she just houses her half in like 17 <laughs> minutes. Wow. I was like, wow. what am I watching? 15 pounds of pizza in less than yeah. 20 minutes. That's absolutely absurd. She's an that animal. Is... She's just like shoving it down. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, holy moly. Oh, my God. That's insane. Um, well, as we've established, you are a Marylander, but I would like to hear a little bit more about you, David. I would like the David origin story. Where are you from originally? <laughs> uh, where are you now? And everything in between. What are you doing now? All that stuff. Let's see. Uh, I was born in Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, nice. and lived there till I was in sixth grade. And then my parents split, and I moved to Olney, Maryland. Um, lived with my mom like on weekdays. My dad on way weekends. down south. Yeah. So Olney was definitely a, a big shock from going from Silver Spring, very different areas. And I lived there up until I went to college, and then I went to Towson University in Baltimore, and. Mm. Uh, so that's how I kind of established being where I am now. Uh, started out just in the Towson area, obviously graduated, lived in like Cockeysville. And then when uh, I met my wife in college and we did a long distance thing for a few years, she lived in New Jersey. I lived here. Then she moved down here and we both moved into the city. Uh, and we've been here for the last four years. So uh, it's it's been pretty crazy that my whole life's been in Maryland and I'm actually moving to New Jersey in august so you're abandoning us i am big we're moving, big, big we're moving closer to her family so oh uh, man my entire life been in maryland it's it's crazy yeah that's great which part of baltimore are you in i'm in the like fed hill like locust okay. point area that's a real that's a nice area anyways what are you so what do you do what's your day job i'm a pe teacher during the day Very so cool yeah, so it's it's cool. I, I always loved sports, and I babysat kids like when I was in high school to make some extra money. So like, my mom suggested, why don't you combine the two? And it's definitely something I've I've loved and enjoyed. If I can't, you know, do sports or fantasy sports or you know, be in that field, like this is the next best thing. So I, uh, it definitely keeps you on your toes, but it's fun. You get to play sports with kids, teach them different skills. So it's it, it's definitely fun. 
Yeah. Well, that's a perfect transition because we do actually want to talk about a little bit of baseball <laughs> on to. this sort of. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can just <laughs> skip it. We don't need to talk about baseball. I don't even no, like it. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, the question that we always ask everybody is what is it about baseball, the sport of baseball specifically, that you love? There are a lot of sports out there football, basketball, hockey, you name it, cricket, all kinds of great, wonderful sports out there that you could be a big fan of, but you're a baseball fan. Why baseball? So it's a good question. You have sports like football and basketball. I love both of those that a lot more excitement and, you know, play by play. There's, there's everything that's happening, but it's just something about like to me, there's nothing better than going to a baseball game. Like that's to me my favorite live event to go to. Um, then you have the fact, the history of it. You have like just the sport itself is just it just feels so like nostalgic, and it, it's like. And I remember because I started following baseball in like 2004, 2005, right when Johan Santana was like in his prime. And I remember just falling in love with watching him pitch. And I just like watched the games. And then you all of a sudden, you know, you get the thrills of like walk off home runs. And then you see like all, you know, guys striking people out. And, you know, the season is so long. Uh, I remember the game 163 that the Twins played the Tigers in. I think it was like 2009. And like every at bat, you're like on your toes, just like, oh my God. Like, like the winner goes to the playoffs. So it's just like, over time, I just loved just every part of the game, the decisions, the emotions you could see when you know teams would win, they lose. And ultimately, I, th- I think one of the reasons I've fallen in love with it so much more today is I just think that it's, it doesn't get the same type of it, like exposure that the other popular sports get. But I think it's just as good, if not better, and I feel like it's it's one of those things that that's why I enjoy talking about it more is like not everybody is talking about it, whether it's through Twitter, through, you know, at work, everybody's talking about like the Ravens or other things, which is cool. But like, it's cool to talk about prospects, cool to talk about like, you know, just how teams are doing in baseball in the long season. So long winded answer. I just I fell in love with it from Johan Santana. And then it's grown just exponentially just every aspect of the game as I've seen it as the years have gone on baltimore orioles legend johan santana (laughs) as you may remember for the one year Mm -hmm. we had him with a minor league contract Mm -hmm. as he attempted to make a comeback uh so that's no that's a great answer i i i love that um i was having this conversation the other day i'd be curious your perspective on it so you're talking about how you know people don't really talk about baseball as much as they talk about other sports and I think baseball, there's been a lot of talk over the years of how baseball sort of does have a popularity problem, a publicity issue. What, I, what do you think it is that baseball could do differently, that Major League Baseball could do differently to kind of solve this popularity issue? It's, uh, you know, I, I've always said like NBA, for example, is really good at marketing its players mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it has been growing and growing in popularity. Football is just always popular. What is it that you think MLB could do to kind of uh, improve its popularity as well? 
I mean, you said one of the big things, I think just being doing a better job of marketing their players. I mean, to be honest with you, how many people could point out Mike Trout on this? If you had asked 10 people, yeah. Mike Trout walked by, how many would know that's Mike Trout? Like that's, that's to have your games, arguably your best player and not everybody knows who that is. That's a big yeah. red flag. How much um, of that do you think is because he plays on the West coast and, and all of his games are super late at night for the rest of the country. And how much of that do you think is marketing? Cause I think, I think it's a little bit of both personally, but the, the fact that he and Otani are on the West coast has been brought up to me mm -hmm. and you know, the people have said that have said, well, you know, all the time, Mike Trout, this generation, generationally good player, is playing at you know seven o'clock LA time, which can be like ten or eleven o'clock East Coast time. So that just by its nature kind of filters out some audience. Um, how much of it do you think is either of those? I think that's a, a very fair point. You know, obviously people aren't staying up till one in the morning to watch these West coast games. And that could definitely hurt. Uh, the casual baseball fan is probably turning on MLB network, watching a few highlights, you know, at eight, nine o'clock before they go to bed. So I think that is definitely a fair point. I, I do think though, in general, that just like we were saying, they don't market their players and, and they could yeah. do a lot better job of that. You know, more commercials that are actually not just on MLB network, but like on ESPN, um, yeah. you know, having, you know, you, you hear like the, all these basketball shoes, like the KDs, the, the Kyrie Irving. It's like, I feel like athletes and cleats, like for baseball, like if that became a bigger deal, like, you know, Mike Trout has his own cleats that are unique in this way. And, you know, Aaron Judge has these cleats that are unique in his way, you know, to have, we talked about like, you know, fun, different commercials that people, the kids can watch and associate with these players. Um, there's like so many different things that I feel like baseball doesn't care you know, we have the obviously the problem with like teams that don't want to pay players and just basically will tank. So it's like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles. Sadly, right now, for the most part, like there, there's not better. really any market. There, there's not any marketability there for the most. No, part. you're right. I mean, that's I think I we've seen for the Orioles specifically their first glimmer of marketability in a long time within the past few weeks because they've been ever since Adley Rutschman has mm -hmm. been called up. Yeah. Uh, as, at least in the Maryland area, it's been Adley Rutschman commercials, right? Just just pushing Adley, you know, over and over and over again, and it's you know, yeah, it's the first time that the Orioles have really had someone super marketable in a long time. Yeah, I went to their his debut. Um, I guess it was awesome. uh, yeah, like a week and a half ago. Yeah, and um, the only time people actually cared what was happening in the game was when he had his at-bats. Like, during his at-bats, everybody would get up on their feet. They're clapping every single pitch. Let's go, Adley. And then as soon as he, whether he, you know, struck out or got on base, everybody sat down and just talked. Nobody was cheering. Like, uh, that. but that's the, the sad part of it is teams aren't willing to spend or, or you know, make their players more marketable. And uh, I would yeah. love, like, I was even talking about this the other day with somebody. I was like, outside of MLB network, how many of these major sports channels like actually have like a dedication to bait? Like ESPN used to have baseball tonight on every night, web gems, like mm -hmm. you know, souvenir mm -hmm. city, home runs, like things yeah. like that, that, that made me, I would watch that every night and I would love all their stuff. And I was like, they don't put that type of funding into it anymore. 
no and they, they're like the viewership isn't there but I, I was like if you actually injected some young like energy some you know bring in some people that had passion and energy and could like bring different angles in and not just you know sports you know white old sports writers that have been covering the game for 40 years and just don't add anything exciting then like that of course you're gonna have not people interested you got to have some excitement people yeah. bring in some fresh new ideas and like you can have that marketability and you can do this type of stuff on mainstream networks it's just they're choosing not to yeah well, the thing I've always said is like it's not like there aren't interesting personalities in baseball. Mm -hmm. Like there are interesting. It, NBA does a great job of marketing its personalities. NFL does a good job of marketing its personalities. There are you know hundreds of major league baseball players. They're not all super boring. Mm -hmm. Like there are really fun guys. I think you know the Padres' uh, excitement, at least when Tatis is healthy and around is really good for the marketability of baseball and, and MLB has sort of pushed that a little bit guys like, you know, jazz Chisholm who have a really fun time, Tim Anderson. Uh, there are, there are guys that just, yeah, I agree. I wish major league baseball would push them it's, a little bit. It's also kind of just the nature. It's kind of just the nature of the sport too, though. When you compare it to basketball or football or even hockey, whereas basketball is, it's it's completely natural that basketball stars are probably going to have the most outsized personal brands and personal stars where you know you you are one of five players on a basketball court at any given time you know the best players on the basketball court are going to have an outsized impact on the game than you know one of nine or you know one of 11 in football it's a little bit different because you have one quarterback in football you have you know five starting pitchers in baseball you're just never going to quite have I don't know, I think I think a lot of like our modern media apparatus is built and our modern like celebrity complex has kind of built itself around these really like easily identifiable figures like you know the like you know the LeBron the Tom Brady's and stuff like that and baseball is not a sport that's not are at that intersection of dominance but also like uh like Jordan level dominance of the sport and the entire game to the point where like they become synonymous with it. Like you're never, you're just never going to have a baseball player be synonymous with baseball in the same way that Jordan or LeBron are with basketball or Brady is yeah. with the quarterback position, you know? Yeah. So, no, I, I, some I of it is definitely yeah. like you all found some really interesting. Yeah. You, you all touched on some, some, those are all valid, valid things. I think it's just that we're also kind of uncreative in how we like imagine how we, push baseball and its stars yeah yeah and i think it's what baseball really needs yeah. to do is lean into its strengths uh, whatever those may be mm -hmm. i think that's just a you know uh, baseball can't become the nba baseball can't become the nfl so what is what is left i mean mlb has to uh lean into what's great about the sport of baseball and really push that and instead, it feels like we're in this place where everyone's arguing about what's bad about baseball, and that's the only national narrative we've got. Well, baseball's too slow, or everyone's either hitting a home run or striking out, which don't give me—I mean, that's a whole other thing. Or you know, just stuff like that. You know, that seems to be the only thing we're talking about, rather than like what's great about baseball. Hey, let's push that. Let's lean into it. I think one of the greatest things about baseball is accessibility. It should be the most accessible major sport because there's 80-some home games mm -hmm. for every team. It should be a sport that's just always there and always available 
and inexpensive and easy to go to. And baseball doesn't seem to want to do that. But now nah, it's it's a it's a multifaceted issue. Lots of stuff. Uh, but real quickly before we go to some sort of like non-baseball stuff, I do want to ask uh, two more baseball questions. Um, one, uh, who's your favorite Oriole? I assume you're an Orioles fan. I'm, I'm, I'm not just making these. <gasps> I, I I heard oh, no. so that's I, I I gotta say I heard I heard a Johan Santana and a game 163 reference no. earlier. Is that a hint I in the know. right direction here? Ah, I'm an in the closet. It's an interesting that you brought up that. that. <sighs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say it's interesting that you brought up that that game 163 and not the played the year before. Okay, well. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's been a great podcast. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. See you guys later. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, just cut this whole episode. Cut everything David said out of this episode. <laughs> just cut it all. <laughs> I will say though, if like if I Men's grew up in Baltimore, I think I would afraid. definitely be be differently. Like I would be different, but like my fandom for the Twins is really weird yeah. because I got assigned a uh, we had like a state project in third grade. And they were like, you, everybody picks a state and does research. And I got like last pick and it was Minnesota. Nobody wanted to do Minnesota. So when I did all the research and I saw their sports teams, I was like, oh, that's like twins. That sounds cool. And then I watched their games. That's how I started watching Johan Santana. And then that's how I fell in love with him. And like I look in the newspaper and he would lead every pitching category. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And he's uh, a great pitcher to watch, man. He was he was incredible. Yeah, Hall of Fame worthy, I think I would argue. Oh yeah. I mean th- that whole team, like I started like Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, Tori Hunter, Michael Kadire. Like I I, you know, was just all about that team. And then over the years, they just I've talked with like I've had the pleasure to talk to just some former twins and just they've talked about the organization and just at least back then how flawed it was and um and then even just like over the years, how bad they were. And I just, I just got really fed up with just how they were just running their organization. Uh, I still, they're my favorite team, but I've transitioned to more where I care more about like talking about like just the fantasy side rather than like, I don't, I don't get like super excited for twin stuff anymore. Cause I mean, they haven't even won a playoff game in like, it's been, 20, a it's been like yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so it's like when they make the playoffs, I don't even get excited anymore. Like, I was <laughs> yeah. like, they're going to lose. So I don't even invest anymore. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, well then the other baseball question, I guess we probably already know your favorite twin, which is probably Johan Santana. <laughs> um, but other baseball question when you go. So first of all, how many parks have you been to? Um, and when you go to a baseball game, is there a specific kind of food that you always have to get? Um, whether it's, you know, something generic, like, Hey, every time I go to a game, I get a hot dog. Or is it like, you know, there's something specific every time I go to, you know, an Orioles game, I get the crab dip waffle fries or whatever it might be. So how many parks you've been to and what's your go-to ballpark food? I haven't been to that many and that needs to change. Cause I really do want to like check out all the other ballparks I've been to, the Nationals ballpark. I've been to the Orioles ballpark, and I've been to. I'm gonna go to. I'm sure a Yankees ballpark, uh, the Yankees stadium. I'm sure in the next like year or so when I move, and I've been to uh, the Cubs ballpark. Uh, nice. I, I think maybe one other one. I just can't think of. But like I haven't been to that many. 
when I go though, I've always, you know, I love just getting like a hot dog. I feel like that's just the staple, like hot dog, get a beer and, uh, and just watch baseball. Like I, I did that. I've never like, there's never like a specific, specific food, but like usually a hot dog. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, they're always the best. Um, I will say something I learned while I was in Chicago. So I also have not been to a whole ton of ballparks. Uh, I've been to Camden, Nats Park, uh, Toronto, um, toured Wrigley while I was in Chicago. Didn't see a game, but I did see a game at Guaranteed Rate Field. Got to see White Sox and Yankees. And uh, I have to say, I will say that as of right now, just because I love it, Camden probably has some of the best food. Yeah. Uh, But man, does Guaranteed Rate have some killer food? Like just walking around there, they they have some... Pretty good looking hot dogs. Some of the Chicago dogs, if that's, I don't know, your thing. Uh, they also had, I got elotes at the park, which was incredible. So good. It's just corn with like mayonnaise and all kind of cheese and all kinds of delicious stuff on top of it. It's Mexican street corn, basically. Um, and then they, I, they had like these sausages that were great. I mean, they had really, really good food. I think you're selling me on like not just going to ballparks, but when I do looking if each one has a special food item that I need to try. Yeah. Oh, I think it's great. I think ballparks. Yeah. Yeah. The ballparks have a chance to really like feature their city uh, with their ballpark food. And Camden Yards didn't do that for a long time. And I'm glad they finally are now with, you know, the crab dip waffle fries. Jimmy's Mm -hmm. famous seafood is now Mm -hmm. at Camden Yards. So you can get, you know, some good crab cakes and stuff like that. So, but yeah, no, I'd strongly recommend if you go to a ballpark, find whatever their city specialty is that they happen to have. Not all of them have it. Nats Park, you know, there isn't really a DC specialty. They've got no. good food there, but it's like, you know, your basic stuff. Um, There's some like can, the Rockies have apple pie nachos. That sounds insane. Uh, Miami good. Marlins have the taco dog. Uh, Arizona bacon cheeseburger with mac and cheese. Oh I was like gosh. looking at some of the like, okay. like okay. I'm 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 bought into this now. Yeah. I think this might need to I need to start touring more ballparks and doing this. This is got so the one more, Yeah, one more ballparkish related question before we move on though. And that is um what if anything, this doesn't have to be anything like super crazy or whatever, but uh is would you say is the coolest moment you've ever seen live? Live? Uh I went to Steven Strasburg's debut um, because my mm. uncle was a season ticket holder. That's I've never one. experienced something like that. Uh, I think he had, I, I forget, I think it was like 13 or 14 strikeouts in that game. 14, I think um, it was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every single two strike count, everybody was on their feet. And I've never seen just utter dominance in a first career start like I saw that day. And like, uh, like I remember my uncle telling me, he's like, you're going to remember, like you're going to tell your kids you were at Steven Strasburg's debut and you watched this. And like, it was really, really cool. I've never been part of, I've never been to a, a baseball playoff game. So that was the most electric atmosphere I've ever been a part of. Yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. That's awesome. Um, all right. We're going to move on to some non-baseball stuff. Um just kind of a random grab bag of things. First thing we are going to ask you is the order of operations trifecta. We would like to ask you uh, three things, and we want to know the order in which you do those three things. So first, 
when you get dressed, do you put socks or pants on first? Um, I put the pants on first. Just that makes sense. I, you know, I've never thought about that, but I put the pants on first. You'll think about it now. I am that's, definitely yeah. <laughs> that's that's generally it's generally. I feel like it's been what Zach like a fifty fifty split almost between socks and I would say pants. It's been pretty or... pretty eclectic, yeah. Yeah, and a lot been, of like, seasonal dependency. Yeah, yeah, and depends on what you're wearing, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, no pants first is that's where I go. I I don't like socks. I try to wear socks as little <laughs> as possible. So. Well, that's a pretty deep question, actually. I, I can't believe I've never been asked that. <laughs> just wait. Just wait till you see what we got for you next. So, <laughs> two, part two of the order of operations trifecta is uh, if you eat cereal and if you eat cereal with milk, as most do, which comes first? The cereal. Oh, this one's, this one's easy. You, you pour the cereal first and then the milk. If you do it the other way, yeah, I, you're I, doing it just to be different at that point. I, it's, it would have been hilarious if you had been like, oh, this one's easy. It's the milk first, obviously. <laughs> just like totally threw us all for a loop. Well, I was wondering, I mean, do you guys do it the other way? I don't no, 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 no. So, so nobody does except for Jake Seeley, um, yeah. who is the entire reason we have this question because he was like our second ever guest. Uh, I think, yeah, it was, we had Alex Fast was our first guest. Yeah, was Jake was our second guest. And Jake has written um, extensively on why he goes milk than cereal um, and has some very, very strong opinions on cereal. And, uh, and so we were like, huh, I wonder if other people do this. So we started asking the question uh, because of Jake. And uh, I, will, I will say, I think I wouldn't do it, but Jake has a well-thought-out defense at the very I think least. This is the downside of like, you pour it in like the milk could splash or like it's hard. It's harder to like have the ratio work the I right way. Uh, I, I mean, I, I have to look at what his, his pauses are of doing it, but I can't think of like, what would be the benefit of it? Uh, I believe it was uh, because you still, you keep your cereal from getting soggy by doing milk first. Then you pour in the cereal, then you start eating it. The cereal doesn't sit in the milk for a long time. I think was the main gist of it. So, I don't know. By the way, is cereal a soup? I've heard this debate. I've heard this one too. I don't I count it stand as, no. for no semantic bullshit like this. <laughs> soup is soup. It's the pornography. <laughs> that's, you, know, you know it when soup you see it. Come on. You know when you Next. see it. <laughs> I feel like because soup, it's like the liquid is the, the main part of it. With cereal, the, the cereal is the main part of it. Like the milk I, is milk the main part is the other thing. Yeah, milk is not a stock. Yeah? Yeah, that, that's that too. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, all right. Last Next part of the order of operations trifecta. When you brush your teeth, what come what comes first, toothpaste or water? Uh, I always do the water first because the toothbrush I, then some toothpaste. I, I like wetting the toothbrush, and then I feel like when I put the toothpaste on and then the water, like the toothpaste, like either starts slipping off or like it's messy and it just feels off. Like it just throws my day off. So I have I get to it. do that other way. I get it. Yep. Are you guys? Do you guys do water and then toothpaste? So, it's funny. Um, I used to think I did water then toothpaste, and then I actually paid attention to it, and I realized I actually do toothpaste then water. I think either one is perfectly defensible as long as you're 
doing some water. We've had a couple guests who just do it with no water at all. And that's, that's so dry. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's gross. But they're, they're, those people exist. There are there are dozens of them. Um, but, yeah, they're gross. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Justin Choi. I love you. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Long forgotten. Um, Long forgotten. We'll, yeah, we'll give them another pass someday. Yeah, one day. Um, okay. We were talking about movies earlier. I would love to know, do you have a favorite and or least favorite baseball movie? Uh, I definitely don't have a least favorite. I need to watch more of them because I haven't seen all of the ones I need to see. I have a strange uh, affinity for bench warmers. I don't know oh, why I like that movie. I don't know why choice. I like that one so much, but I every time I see it on or someone suggests it, I always am down to watch it. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. I've heard people, I did a whole article on baseball movies, and every now and then I would see a few people pop up on bench warmers and i was like oh yeah that, that for, i i always forget about bench warmers but yeah it's a do you know there's a bench warmers too with a completely different cast oh god why would they do that oh, I, I, mean, I know why they would do that but i saw it the other day uh i was like looking through netflix and i saw it and i was like is this the same movie i was like this is literally none of the characters are the same and i was like how can you say this is bench warmers too <laughs> Dude, if your movie is it's like Halloween, uh, yeah. <laughs> Halloween three or if, whatever it was, Ed. if your movie is too low budget for Rob Schneider, yes. I think you have a problem. <laughs> but it's I'm looking at it point. now. I'm looking at it now. Oh God, John Lovitz stepped so what? low as to be in in this movie. Benchwarmers two, Breaking Balls. Oh, it man. literally has like yeah. I think he's the only one that might be this. Man, Benchwarmers like one, one already like towed the line just well enough of being like not quite being too stupid to be enjoyable <laughs> consistently, you know, with with a name like that, the sequel sounds like it does not. I'm just not I'm just trying to imagine a film in which David Spade, Rob Schneider, and Nick Swardson all say, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's actually a good point what what film are they what film roles are they turning down based on the film roles they i mean rob schneider did norm of the north he's done like three of them and he's too good for bench warmers to breaking balls okay rob 2006 uh, <laughs> bench warmers that it was that long ago it was it, it was when john Hader was like a thing Back right, right, yeah. right, not long after Napoleon Dynamite, back when people like really cared about him, and then he just kind of <laughs> vanished. He really uh, did. Yeah, he did. I yeah, talked about no. this before. Man. Blades of Glory. Then, yep, Blades of Glory. He played like yep. the same character. I feel like in so many things. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah he, 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 had he had his moment. He had, <laughs> he had his moment. Um. All right. Okay, so, um. All right. Here's Zach, one of my favorite. So yeah, yeah. Um, if you could, <clears throat> excuse me, if you could sit down with any single person in human history, conversation with them, doesn't have to be like a specific person, just be someone from like a time or a place, you know, just to have a conversation with them, you know, see what's up. Anybody, your pick, who would it be? Wow. Dead or alive or? Dead or alive. Anybody that has ever existed. Yeah. Holy moly. Could um, be a fake person. I don't know. 
How do I know they didn't exist? It's such a simple question, right? Describe the universe and give examples. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to give me inspiration for my answer, do you guys have one that comes to mind for both of you guys? It's a good question. Um, My gut reaction, just because I've been fascinated in him as a person since I was in high school, would be... um, Jim Morrison in the late 60s. Hmm. Uh, I have been, well, I mean, he died in 1970, so I can't really go beyond that. But I mean, like, specifically, <laughs> like, like 1967, right when the doors were starting out, right when they were like this, this phenom in LA that were putting on these absolutely insane shows. I would, uh, and before, like, Jim Morrison's alcoholism really just kind of took him over and dragged him down. I would love to just, I don't know, sit down and talk with him and just kind of like hear how he thinks about things. He just, it was always such a tragic and fascinating human being to me. I I think he gets a little, he gets a little too lionized uh, in a similar way that like John Lennon does of like being these like bigger than life rock stars. But like, the more I've read, I've read some biographies of Jim Morrison and stuff. And the more I've read about him, he was just like a, a scared little boy who wanted everyone to love him. And like, mm-hmm. I just, I, that, that's, that's kind of the first person who comes to mind for me. I just, he's always fascinated me as, as an artist and as a person. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say for a lot of these answers, the first thing that pops in your head, I think no matter what you may think of it, is a good one. But Zach, do you have an answer? I don't think anyone's ever asked us that question before. <laughs> oh man. Off of the top of my head. I don't know. I would, I'd love to go talk to one of my ancestors and, you know, Ireland in the, I don't know, 18th century to see what was up. What was life like back then? I don't know. Let them know mm-hmm. just like how many potatoes are available to you now. <laughs> just like we have I cut so out many potatoes. We have and look at all the things you can man, they would be if I if I showed them an air fryer, their minds would be farsing. Like <laughs> they would not like, know what to do. It would farsing. themselves, man. Like it would imagine what I you think not one of these motherfuckers. No. <laughs> it is That's really crazy. I'd it is talk to my people. It is really crazy if you think you're like somebody from hundreds of years ago and you were to show them things today that like what their reactions would be. Oh, I mean, uh, I remember my grandfather being just floored by an iPhone when they first came out. I mean, this is a man who grew up in the Depression, was born in the 20s, and was like sitting there like, you have all that information on your phone? And it's like, so I mean, that's not even someone hundreds of years ago. That's someone who was born like a hundred years ago now, like, yeah, who was alive when iPhone, he was like 80 when iPhones came out. And he's just like, Whoa, what? So yeah, 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 I agree. It's one of my favorite. <laughs> Basically, okay. Imagine you're explaining to Karl Marx all of your ish, all you know, the problems of, you know, early 21st century society, and you're like, okay, so this is what's going on. Like, is socialism doomed? And Marx is just like, wait, you went to the moon? <laughs> yeah, the moon yeah. in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Oh man. Can't go anywhere else. Like, wait a second. Like you can't t- you want you want me to talk about this other shit? You you're telling me you were up there. <laughs> like, yeah. Those are those are the thoughts that make me laugh when I'm trying to sleep that's, at night. Yeah, that's funny. 
I do think when you first asked the question, my mind did go first to MLK for some reason. I just think just like all that he did. That would be a great answer. Um, But I also think it's like the the whole like ancestry stuff definitely intrigued me just to talk to Mm. people from back then to just see what times were like. I would love to be able if I if you could guarantee me I wouldn't nothing would harm me. and I would almost be like a ghost if you could like put me back for a day like in the 1800s or something like that. And just to see what a day in the life is like mm. there. Uh, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, dude. I mean, MLK is a great answer. I would love to go back and just see like, what's MLK like when he's like in a bad mood, mm-hmm. like just <laughs> like just a regular, just like, I just want to see him like, you know, make breakfast or like do like normal, <laughs> right. like he's doing laundry, like just do normal things that normal. Cause he's just like this, you know, we've, we've, justifiably you know lionized him and almost deified him so like it would have been just i don't know to me it would be kind of hilarious to just see him just like you know just being like sitting on the couch watching tv because he's tired or something it's like (laughs) doing normal people stuff um all right so i want to ask one of my favorite questions which is have you ever seen a ghost I don't think I have. Or experienced something where you were like, that was really weird. Or just like, I can't explain this. This was really bizarre. I definitely have definitely the second one. I just can't think of the instance it was. I I do believe that they exist. I'm assuming since you like this question that you have a really big experience. I I haven't. No, I haven't. But I, I love hearing the stories. We've had some great ghost stories. I think it's one of my favorite questions to just ask. I mean, I ask people not on this podcast, have you ever seen a ghost all the time? I asked a bartender uh, uh, a couple, like a month back. I was just, I don't remember why I was just talking to her. And I was just like, have you ever seen a ghost? And she was like, actually, I've seen a ghost here. And it was this whole story about how like, it was this bar. It's this bar that recently opened up in Annapolis. That's uh, one of those bars that's like a retro arcade and also a bar. And they have this old, um, you know, those like carnival games where like it's a person's mouth and you throw balls into the person's mouth. Mm -hmm. Well, so they have one of those and it's not plugged in. It's super old and it still makes noises sometimes. And she said like at closing time, it's really freaky because it'll just suddenly like make a noise and it is not plugged in. It has no electricity, but like it'll just like it'll have air just go like come out of the mouth or something that's like wild. that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, that's why I love asking the question because you'll get a lot of no's and that's fine. You know, I'm not expecting everyone to, to have seen a ghost, but like when you get a yes, Oh man, it's usually a great story. Um, Let oh, me ask you guys a question yeah. really fast. Yep. Please Ooh. do. Yeah. Would you ever spend a night in a house? They say is haunted just to, to experience what it would be like. Not alone. I spend every day in my own head, man. I'm ten times in the ten down. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't do it alone. I so I may be doing something, not spending the night, but I may be doing something a little spooky this July. I'm going to Louisville for a, a friend's bachelor party. Yeah, and in Louisville is apparently Louisville? this like scary sanatorium, you know, abandoned sanatorium kind of thing. And they do midnight tours. 
in this old abandoned supposedly haunted uh you know mental hospital and uh that's pretty scary that's really scary i've seen session nine that stuff's scary man um would i spend the night in a supposedly haunted house yet not alone i i would i would do it maybe i think i gave you a thousand dollars yeah well i mean i'm thinking like i would probably do it for free so if you gave me money i would (laughs) i would almost definitely do it. you don't get to have somebody else there oh jesus i had to be alone yeah like if i paid you a thousand (laughs) dollars for one night you go in at seven o'clock p.m and you leave at 7 a.m that would be tough because the levels of haunted is the other thing though you know what i'm saying yeah like like, as in, is this a ghost that is, like, known to disappear people, or am I just going to, like, get freaked out? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, is this like, a house where, like, is multiple people Is my life in danger died? here, or am I just going to have a bad time? There's a, we'll just, there's a difference. <laughs> we'll say this is not, like, the scariest of, like, haunt, like where it's, like, oh, like, people have gone missing, and, like, this is where uh, a killer died, or, like, this is just a legit house where it's, like, there's ghosts. Oh, yeah. yeah 100%. I'm so down for that. I'd be, well, like... Well, so, yeah, <laughs> I... I, I used to live in a house that you could say I, it was not haunted, and I'm, but I'm surprised it wasn't haunted. Um, I lived in this house that had been in my family. It was built in 1897. Uh, it was a farmhouse that's been in my family since the early 1900s. Um, both of my grandparents died there. It's where they lived. Um, I actually moved in there. Uh, because my grandmother was in hospice care and was living there alone and needed someone to live with her. And then, you know, she died and I still lived there afterwards. And it was this old creaky farmhouse in the middle of a a farm. So not surrounded by people or anything. Um, and very creepy, had an old, like creepy big attic with like wood steps freaked me out every time I went there up there. It had a, a, a dirt cellar. Like the kind of the way I would describe it is it's the cellar where in a serial killer movie, they find the serial killer and say, oh, he tied up his victims down here and tortured them. It's that cellar that you're thinking of dirt, a single metal pole in the middle, uh, one light with a dangly little string. I mean, that's the cellar that was in that house. That's where like the water conditioner was. So I had to go down there all the time. (laughs) Like, by all rights, it should have been a haunted house, and it just kind of nothing ever happened. So, you know, if if I could kind of, I could kind of put myself in the headspace of like I lived in this kind of a house for, you know, two and a half years. I can spend one night in whatever this house is, but I don't know, maybe, man. That's <laughs> maybe you're just too boring for them to give a shit about. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ghosts are just like, <sighs> it's like we can, you know. It. It's like you know. Imagine if it's like it's like Monsters Inc. Yeah, he's not. You know what? He's not going to give times. You can't be wasting hard-earned scare energy (laughs) on folks who just ain't worth it. You know, like (laughs) yeah, just like one interest thing. That's that's a good strategy because I'm imagining like one a.m. comes around and you're in the middle of the night and you're like there and you hear like a clock or Mm -hmm. you you're you're like a whisk like like and I would be like running out of the house. I would like. I'd be like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Like... I I will say the scariest thing that usually happened at that house was I would be, so the driveway was about an eighth of a mile long. And so it was a fairly long driveway, not insanely long, but long. So I would be taking out the trash late at night 
and we would get foxes in the area pretty frequently. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard what sound a fox makes, but it's oh, yeah. they abjectly scream. terrifying. What are they, they scream? Do they make? It, it sounds. It sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like a little girl being kidnapped. Is what it sounds Holy like. Crap! Didn't truly, if you don't know what it is, like the thing is, you only YouTube. learn once. You only need yeah. to learn once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It. 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 Honest to God, it sounds like a small child. Uh, who is being attacked like that's it's this loud high-pitched scream and uh, look it up on youtube fox sound you'll hear it and it what does the fox say yeah what does (laughs) what does the fox say we know it's terrifying um and so i would be late at night i'd be taking out the trash and i would hear that like off in the woods and i'm sitting there going i know that's a fox but I am still very scared. <laughs> like, also, what if it's not? We had the in this air in the area I was in. We had the police called one time because of a fox sound. Someone heard a fox in the woods multiple times and thought there was a a child being attacked in the woods and literally called the police. Helicopters came in, the whole thing. Holy crap! And it was just a fox. It, like that's they can be real scary, and it's dark late at night in the country. You hear those things yelling. Whew, no fun. It is yeah. not a good time. Um, anyways, oh well, since you haven't seen a ghost, uh, if you're if you haven't answered the story, I should preface it. I never do. If you haven't answered the story and you want to talk about it, great. If not, it's okay. You ever almost died? I think I mean there was one instance. The only thing that comes to mind is I was in high school. And I was crossing the street at like a crosswalk. And I remember like there's like a the, the very end, there's like a lane that turns left. But I couldn't you can't see that like cars coming in that lane unless you like get to like the very end of the walkway and look. And I remember walking across and I remember for some reason like I had some like misstep, like whether it was like I looked at my shoelace or like there was some reason I slowed down a little bit and I just was after that I just kept walking and then sure enough like literally if I hadn't done that uh the car that was turning left literally like full speed right oh maybe like oh man a half a foot in front of me full speed zoomed to turn left and I couldn't see it because it was blocked by the car that was in front of me while I was walking I think that's, I mean, I don't know if I would have died. I definitely would have been pretty hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think that's, that's the crazy. only one I've. Christ. I, I, there was one, one time I, I almost drowned, but like, not like it was at a pool and like, I just kept going under and then a lifeguard threw me a raft uh, when I was like little because I didn't know how to swim, yeah. but I don't know how close Please I actually tell was. me they were like real casual, like ah, this guy. And just like three it was, it was so stupid. It was like we were at a camp, <laughs> and uh, and like we was a swim test to be able to use the water slide. Who makes kids do a freaking swim test to use a water slide? Of course, everybody's gonna try to to pass the test. Yeah, and I doggy paddled, and halfway yeah, if through, you don't I got, know how to swim, of course you're going to try and swim. You want to go down the water slide? Yeah, exactly. It's like why would you tease that? So like I, I only knew how to doggy paddle, and halfway through the pool, like I was tired so i stopped dog i couldn't doggy paddle anymore i was just gassed and i was in the middle of the pool so it's not like i was right by the wall yeah and um 
at that point, I just kept bobbing up and down. And like, and then eventually, like, a lifeguard saw me. It felt like five minutes. And then he threw me a, a raft and I, and I caught it. And then, like, he pulled me in. And I was like mm. coughing up water and stuff, but wow, I, I don't know how close I was actually to uh to dying. But that was I was pretty scared to go into the pool for like yeah. a couple of years after that. I would be too. Jeez, that's that's terrifying. Um all right, I want to ask one more question before we get to the final final section of the podcast, the full count. And we haven't you are a fantasy sports writer, have been for quite a while now. We haven't really talked a whole lot about that, but I would like to take a moment to ask in all of your time in writing, what is a great lesson that you or an important lesson that you have learned about writing? To never be afraid of critique. So once you write something, always have some people you trust that you can send your work to and give them on, they'll give you honest feedback. Cause if you think your writing is great, and you think that it's, you know, everything is perfect, like it's not like there's always going to be different perspectives and things that you can improve. So you find those people you can trust, and then you send them your stuff uh, and have them look over it before uh, you start putting stuff out there consistently. Yeah, fully agree on that one. That is so important. I have had so many pieces where like, I've written a handful of these like really, really big research pieces like that have taken me months to put together and stuff like that. And I always get nervous about those like me releasing them. And then like the very first comment is like, but didn't you think about this thing? And it like totally pokes a whole ho a hole mm -hmm. in my like 4,000 word argument. And they're like, yeah, but you screwed up. They're like, your math was wrong. So it's just, it is great to have the peace of mind to send it to somebody who can then offer you some, yeah, some critique because yeah, your writing will not be perfect, especially your first draft. It will not be perfect. Oh yeah. And like it, and it's, it's very important. You find the people that are going to do that. Not the ones that are just going to pretend they looked at it and be like, Oh yeah, this looks good. It's yeah. like, you, you know, the people that are actually going to read it and give you good feedback. Like that's so important. Yeah. And it's not always the person you're best friends with because they might just be like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm sure it's good. And like glance over it. Like people, you know, they're going to spend the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've run stuff by, I mean, Alex Fass has always been great. I've run stuff by him a lot. I've run stuff by Nick. I ran some stuff by, um, I ran one pitching article I was doing by uh, uh, Rob uh, Friedman, who was kind enough to let me quote him in the article. Uh, it's it's really nice to just have somebody as, who is very knowledgeable about whatever you're writing about. You run you run their article by or the idea or your conclusions. Say like, am I crazy? You know, I this I got here plus here plus here equals this conclusion. Am I crazy for coming to this conclusion? Can you find some holes in what in my reasoning so that I can address those before you know everybody else does. So that's that's a great piece of advice. And those are awesome uh, resources. That's arguably as best as you can get right there. Yeah, I I am extraordinarily fortunate. Uh, the connections in the fantasy baseball world that uh, being a pitcherless has provided me because there's some wonderful, wonderful people who like I can just DM now, and it's it's an incredible resource. Um, all right, I'm gonna get to the last section, the full count. We are going to ask you. Uh, for a recommendation in each of five categories, three and two, full count. Um, like I said, for other things, 
but the first thing that pops in your head, it does not have to be profound or obscure or anything like that. Just whatever the first thing that pops in your head, that's what I want to hear. So with that in mind, we will start with the first category, which is books. What is a book that you would recommend? <laughs> oh, God, I don't even read much as I should book, anymore. Comic books, graphic novels also count if okay. that helps. Um, and if you just don't read that much, that's okay, too. That's a fine answer, too. I mean, one of my favorite books growing up, and it's I still love the story, is the um, uh, oh my god, what, the name just <laughs> popped out of my head. Uh, where the um, where the girl gets murdered and she watches over her family. Um, what is it called? Uh, I don't know. Is it like and, for kids? No, I read it in high school and like I saw the movie. The movie came out like two years after I read the book. Um, oh my gosh. Um, this is going to bother me. I need to make sure Hold I know on, the name. Lo- is it The Lovely Bones? Yes. Thank you. The Lovely Bones. There we go. Yes. Yes. That was, one of, that was one of the few books I was on like a summer reading list that I literally could not stop reading. And there's only a few books that I've felt that way that I've read throughout my life. And that was one of them I loved. That's yeah. I've heard great things about the book and actually the movie. I never saw the movie. Um, the movie I didn't love as much as I thought I would because I they changed a little bit from the book. I liked the book better, um, but it's still very good. The whole story is is just very interesting. That makes me think: how many movies are out there that are better than the book they're based on? Not many. I feel like there aren't a ton. I feel like there's definitely some. Like uh, Jaws is definitely better than the book it's based on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jaws, the, the book is like okay. The Godfather, that's yep, that's a good one. I didn't know even that it was a book. I thought that was it was <laughs> yeah, it was a book, and then it was uh yeah no that's a good I, one. I would that's... be I think I think a solid maybe maybe not half but multiple Stephen King adaptations are better than the source material. I think it chapter one is probably better than it the book because it cut out all the weird like ugh, weird like gross feeling stuff that like the kids do that's in it. Um, the movie ending like, to The Shining is way better than the book ending, in my opinion. Yes, actually, yes, yes. The yeah, and Stephen King hated the way the movie. He hated Stephen hated it at first, and then didn't he come around to it after a while? I think eventually he did. Yeah, but yeah, he, he at first like panned The Shining. I'm like, dude, it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, okay, so um. That is number one recommendation. Number two of the full count is food. Uh, so that could be like, you know, a restaurant, a dish, an ingredient, um, a meal, anything vaguely culinary or food related. Lay it on us. I mean, Nick's Fish House is definitely the restaurant I recommend around here. Um, I think I'm going to plug uh, one of my buddies who has a really good spice company that I actually like I'm not even trying to to hype it up. Uh, he has it's called Hotbox Spice, and it's stationed in California. Some of the best spices I've ever used, and mm. uh, I put on like all my meats now. And it's like it's like you know barbecue, taco, everything you can imagine. He's got, and uh, that's just like helped make. I'm, I'm finally dressing my food up the proper way. So that's I- that's. Uh, that's definitely something that I, I feel like good has one. been enhancing my food there. We're going to edit record. all of that out. 
edit all that out. Um, <laughs> no, I'll allow for spice no, plug. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, we, no, we, we sunscreen users need to spread it out all we can. Spread the... <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next category is movies and or TV. What is a movie and or a TV show that you would recommend? Uh, TV shows, Breaking Bad, Ozark... Um, what'd you think of the finale no spoilers but what'd you think of how ozark ended good or bad that's all i was good bad or in between it was in between i I would say more in between than bad but i I, definitely for how the show I, i i can say this without spoiling it i felt like they basically like 15 minutes before the finale they were like oh crap we have to wrap this up (laughs) <laughs> and like it wrapped it up super quick and they could have yeah done a better job of having it gradually happen a lot better throughout the last few episodes yeah i get mm-hmm. that i get that um, anyway uh bet breaking bad ozark better call Saul. i, I have solid. to i haven't caught up on the new season yet i'm not but fully th- caught up but yeah great show that was fantastic game of thrones until the very end was good sure. as well and they they really fumbled the bag on that one, man. It's crazy. Oh God, yeah. You want you want to hear my you want to know my theory? On... It's not like sometimes you look at those things and like in a couple years after a couple years of retrospect, you're like, oh, you know, it wasn't actually that bad. No, this one this gets worse and worse over time. Like it does not. It looks the show is worse on rewatch, unfortunately, because of that. You want to know uh, my theory on Game of Thrones? I believe yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, George R. R. Martin obviously has not released. Uh, Winds of Winter or Dance of Spring yet, the last two books in the series. My theory, everyone's been clamoring, like, where are they? When are they coming? It's been like literally a decade. My theory is that all of the stuff that everyone hated in the Game of Thrones show was all directly from George R.R. Martin. Really? So the creator said they had sat down with Martin and he gave them an idea. Here's what Winds of Winter and Dance of Spring, here's where I'm going. Obviously, the books aren't fully written, but like, here's where I'm going. Here are the major plot points. Um, and they may have deviated in some ways. We don't know. I think all of the stuff that everybody hated was from George R. R. Martin, and he saw all the blowback from the show and was like, oh, crap. I can't release these books. Everyone's going to hate rich. them. Why do I need I, to do that? <laughs> well... Everyone's going to hate these books, and right now they're blaming the show creators, not me. They're like, "Oh, these these show creators, they really, you know, screwed this up." So they I think he's either they were, but I think I think either Martin is rewriting it all, or some of it, or he's got it mostly written and is just waiting for everyone to forget and cool off a little bit and then put it out there. I don't know, or maybe not. I don't, I don't think we're. I don't think we're ever seeing them. I think we're gonna. We're gonna. It's gonna be like a Christopher Tolkien situation. You know, we're gonna get his estate like piecing together like twenty different novels worth of material. I think. Yeah, I think gonna it's gonna be. It's gonna be like a Robert Jordan Wheel of Time situation. He's gonna die before it's finished, and then you know the equivalent of Brandon Sanderson is gonna come in and be like, "Well, figure something out." Here's I gotta be honest. Thinking about it, what does what incentive does he really have to finish it at this point? He doesn't. Ha- I mean, he's yeah. He doesn't need to. At this point. Yeah, I mean, and he's doing. He's, he's getting asked to do all kinds of cool stuff. His time. He's got his hands in a bunch of other projects. Like, yeah, they got. We got I mean, the conclusion of the show. It's not like anyone. I feel like 
I don't know. There's not going to be nearly as many people like going to their grave really angry that they didn't get to read the ending of Game of Thrones than there were I, before the show. Like, I'm still upset yeah. about in the show, like the whole White Walker episode, which I was setting up to be mm-hmm. an insane best one of the best things of TV of all time. And who did not figure out this is too dark? Nobody can see anything. Literally, yeah. It's like they went to the the director and like, look, oh, I really want this to be dark. And they're like, oh, like really, like, like kind of evil and scared. No, 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 no. Like literally, very dark. I don't want anybody to be able to see what's happening. I know. Yeah, they had a great moment, and then they just like just dropped a giant deuce all over the show and i remember like when it was i was like is it my tv's not bright enough like why does it seem so bright i I was like turning up the brightness vivid vivid yeah yeah it was yeah same thing um anyways we'll move on to the next category zach what is the next category right music is the next category of the full count number four or five uh any kind of music recommendation uh you know artist album song whatever comes to mind so I'm definitely like not the biggest music guy. Um, I listen definitely. There's like a time and place for like you know if I'm at the gym, I'll I'll throw in some heavy metal. Like that's that's like definitely my workout music. If I'm driving in the car, like some jazz, or um, you know if I'm hanging out with friends, maybe put on some like you know just some whatever's like on the hit list or something like that. Um, I will say like uh, you know saliva, Pantera, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, sometimes I just even just playlists from like music from TV shows that are like epic. I will like make playlists mm. of like I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan. So like, nice. you know, like all the, the you know, the big like Super Saiyan transformation music and like that stuff will go on there or like, you know, TV show theme songs or uh, stuff like that that I like. OK, I hear this and like I, I feel like my hair rising up and I'm like, OK, I, I want I want to hear that type of stuff. So like that, I probably listen to more stuff like that than actual music, if I'm being honest. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. No, that's that's awesome. Best TV show theme that. song. Yeah. If you had to pick. Oof. I really like the uh, the Thundercats theme song is pretty good. Thundercats is cool. Or not, uh, not Thundercats, uh, SWAT Cats. Why don't the uh, SWAT cats? It, it was it was kind of a cool theme. Um, some of the Batman theme songs are cool. Yeah, bringing out like the nerdy side now here. Oh yeah. Um, I have to like look through, but uh, I just will just like casually just like look through old '90s theme songs and shows and and do that and uh, yeah, I just get like a lot more enjoyment hearing that than like actual like music and, and i don't know why i just i guess i've never no, been a cool. big music person that's awesome um all right last section of the full count miscellaneous we want a recommendation of any kind anything in your life that you would recommend this can be a uh a activity this can be a place a person a thing uh you know a gadget something you uh, own or buy or do or, you know, practice, whatever it might be. Like I said, the first thing that pops in your head, no matter how <laughs> dumb or mundane you might think it is, that is the thing I want to hear. It's I mean, the first thing that pops in my head was golf. And just because Perfect. I've, I've been, sure. um, I've been loving it. And I started playing at the very end of last summer and I realized just there is no downside to learning how to play 
and trying to get better at it. For, for the one, you could always have like business meetings or, or gatherings with people that you're trying to just, you know, whether it's you're trying to get a job or close a deal on something, uh, just to be able to do that. If you're trying to find activities to do with friends, whether it's like you just are tired of just going out and drinking or you're trying to find different activities to do, uh, there's that, especially as you get older, you can't do as many sports. Uh, there's the element of just being able to be outside, which I feel like is lost in, you know, everybody's, you know, with screens and everything. I put my phone yeah. away for like four hours and I just mm. unplug from it. That's and, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. And it's like the only activity I'm doing right now where it's easy for me not to look at my phone. You know, if even when I'm at work, like I'm checking it or, if, you know, I'm at a bar with friends, I'm checking it. And like when I'm golfing, I put it like in my golf bag or in somewhere in the golf cart. And I'm like, just out there, just in the outside, enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, obviously it's frustrating at times, but like, I just, I found that it's, it's a very cool way to spend. And then you can like, after like go to a clubhouse, get beers, get food. Um, uh, you can do a lot of things building off of that. So I haven't found like a real downside to it other than just it's expensive at times, but like, um, it's definitely something I would recommend if you don't play or haven't really tried it, just start out going to the range, hit some balls, put some music in or whatever you're in and just hit some balls for fun. And then like, once you get a little bit better, just try going out on a course for a day and just, it's, it's a cool experience. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I've always kind of envied the, uh, the people who are, you know, any good at golf because that does seem like a super, like relaxing activity you could do with some friends where you're just kind of on a nice day walking around, mm-hmm. just kind of playing a game, you know, like a very slow paced, relaxed game where the point of it isn't so much to do well at the game, but mm-hmm. to just spend time together. It's yeah, it's so much of the things we do are all just excuses to spend time together. And I think that's, that's a great excuse. And you get, to, like you said, be outside anything where that rec- almost requires you to put away your phone for an extended period of time mm-hmm. is like almost by default good for your mental health. So <laughs> like that's, that's yeah, that's a great recommendation. That's awesome. Um, so the well, few like high level sports that's available to us on like a pretty rare yeah. basis to us, like randos as far as participation goes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's pretty much everywhere. And you know, as far as equipment goes, you just need, you know, some golf clubs and you're good. Like you, you can don't... even rent them too at a lot yeah. of places. If you're like, I don't want to invest in buying them. I just, I'll go and, you know, rent them for like 20, 30 bucks, yeah. you know, to do yeah, it. Exactly. But it, it's, it literally, again, like you can unplug, you can hang out with friends, you can be outside. Um, and it, especially even if you're stressed too, and you just like just hitting a golf ball. And if you like smack it good to where like you're, you're watching it fly, it just, it's a very satisfying feeling too. So it's yeah. like there's all those types of things. It's, it's really uh, become something that I've really enjoyed like so much to where I don't go a week without even just like going to the range just so that I just have so much fun. Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic recommendation. Um, well, anyways, thank you so much, David, for joining yes. us on uh, Shag and Flies. It was an absolute joy to have you. Uh, this is a blast. This is, yeah, man. So th- thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, this is uh, this is as fun a podcast as I've ever done. And uh, you guys are a great host. So uh, you guys have a great thing going. Thanks for having me.